Welcome to the Apartment Operators Podcast, where you can learn from experienced operators what it really means to be an apartment operator. No fluff, no sugarcoating, just the raw, unfiltered truth of the ups and downs of operating multifamily communities. Welcome, everybody, to the Operators Podcast. We have Mike White with us today. Mike is from Texarkana, Texas, and he's got a big portfolio of about 500, 600 units. Uh, Mike, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and how your portfolio looked like today. Sure, Joseph, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, start off just a, maybe a little bit of brief history. I was a 33-year financial advisor, mainly with A.G. Edwards and Morgan Stanley, and actually 20 years ago, accidentally got into the rental property business uh, through a buddy of mine that was going through a divorce and needed to sell a duplex. That's how I first started. 20 years ago with two doors. So as Joseph said, we're right at bumping 500 doors today and I'll fill the gaps in just a little bit uh, on that. But that is actually how I started in rental property and then slowly started adding more as time went on. Now, the, the previous career in a brokerage business, I was very successful at that. So that set me up to be able to have the wherewithal to be able to go out and acquire and buy and borrow and, and, and grow the portfolio. Um, about five years ago, I made a decision. I was an independent advisor at that time, and I made the decision to totally get out of financial advising for uh, clients at that time. And at that time, uh, was it also coincided with getting hooked up with a, a really great U.S. US bank, banker out of Little Rock. And, and uh, about five years ago, I really put the pedal to the metal and just started acquiring uh, mainly du uh, duplexes, townhomes. Uh, my biggest concentration has got 57 doors, but my growth has really been fueled the last three to five years with the help of this banker. He has been great to work with, and uh, I wish I could say something good about the bankers here in Texarkana, but I can't. But, uh, but that's kind of what got me to the point as to where I am with the number of doors uh, that I have today. Uh, and as Joseph said, uh, owner operator, my oldest son has come home uh, about a year ago to help. I have a younger son in San Antonio, but uh, we're making this more of a family business and a family experience. Uh, kind of had a little bad um, turn of events with a longtime employee and that kind of precipitated uh, the oldest son coming home. And it's been nothing but great to have him home. That's awesome. So for the most part, if I remember correctly, you don't have investors. This is all a family business, family owned, right? Well, today, yes, it is. And, you know, in the past, uh, there's been a couple of things that, that I have done, Joseph, and you can, you can ask me a little bit later in your podcast and we can elaborate. But, you know, coming from the financial advising side, I dealt and developed relationships with a lot of higher net worth people. Uh, so there has been, you know, two to four of those people along the wayside that have helped. And there's also been situations we can talk about a little bit later as well, where I've gone in and had actually the owners of the rental properties uh, carry some for me. So yes, I have had some help, but uh, today, as of today, I think I only have one left. And, uh, you know, pretty much gotten all of them out of the way. Uh, but they they served a good purpose in helping me 
to, to fuel my growth. Um, but I also had to realize that the cash flow from the acquisition that I was buying, you know, there had to be enough there to make sure that I took care of them and paid them a nice return as well. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely touch base on that one a little bit later. So for the audience, um, tell us a little bit about your portfolio. How does it look like? A lot of it is duplexes in townhomes, like you mentioned. Uh, it's all concentrated in, in one town, right? In Correct. Texarkana. Everything is in Texarkana. We have some uh, outlying bedroom communities, Nash, Texas, Liberty Ilo, but it's all basically connected to Texarkana. And again, I started 20 years ago with one duplex, two doors. And so today, I think uh, we're sitting on 16 single family homes. And the rest is going to be a few standalone duplexes. But all of the other holdings are going to be duplexes and townhomes uh, that are going to be in a location. And once I established a foothold, in that particular location, if there were more duplexes or townhomes available, well, then I would go directly to the some of the other owners and and try to uh, own the concentration on a particular road. That served me very well up to up until today. Yeah, that's a fantastic strategy. It's kind of like you come in, you you choose the location first, you get the first one in, and then it's a lot easier to talk to another owner and say, "Hey, I own the one next door." Uh, will you sell me yours, right? Uh, um, that sounds great. So in terms of class, um, I know you have a mixed bag of anywhere from brand new builds a class all the way down to the CC minus, right? Um, how does managing that diverse kind of a portfolio look like, right? Because you, you have a class with clientele that pays a lot more than the C minus class that pays a lot less. So it's really rare to see somebody that has such a wide variety of, of classes in their portfolio. Well, Texarkana is not a huge town. I mean, we're, we're probably 125,000 metropolitan area, maybe larger. My C-class holdings are going to be holdings that were acquired earlier, okay? So I would say in the last three to five years, there have been no acquisitions of C-class holdings. They've been all A and B holdings. To the management front, um, you know, what, what, what I see and what I experience here, the C-class properties require a little bit more time and attention to the tenants. So we really have to kind of stay on top of that a little bit more than we do with the A and the B tenants. But naturally, the A and B holdings are newer. We also don't have to do as much uh, maintenance work on those as well. So I hope that covered that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So it's all self-managed, right? It's all in-house. Um, did you start with self-management or did you have a third party and then you transitioned to self-management? I've never had a third party, okay? So remember, up until five years ago, I still had, you know, I had the left hand advising and I had the right hand over here. So it really started becoming a lot more, taking a lot more of my time. And once the growth started happening, well, then I had to make a conscious decision to do away with, with that side. And I did. So, you know, went out uh, probably 10 years ago, uh, bought the office where we are right now. And uh, a year and a half ago, I bought some storage units, which helps us uh, on appliances, uh, uh, heat mm -hmm. and air conditioning units. You know, if I catch a good buy at Lowe's or something like that, I have the ability to store those until they're needed. And I also have, 
uh, a couple of resources that we can go to and really get good solid use stuff and, and get a little mileage out of that and save some money up front as well. Okay. So was there any point in that path that you've considered third party? No. And why is that? A, I like control. I control this. I run this. Now Mason, my oldest son being here uh, as well. And B, that costs extra money to do that. So have I made mistakes over 20 years in, in running all this? The answer to that is yes. But today, I don't make very many mistakes at all. So no, I've never considered that. Uh, we're not a huge area. So literally from the central location of my office, um, 10 or 12 minutes would be the furthest location that we have to go and do maintenance calls or make readies or, or things of that sort. We do not go and meet prospective tenants. We have those tenants come by here. Um, we have them leave a, a, a driver's license, credit card, debit card. We give them the key. We let them go look. They bring it back. So that is an efficient way that we have found that works for us on prospective tenant going out and looking at a unit. Yeah, that, that's, uh, um, that's definitely an original way to do that. Um, we've had a lot of operators come up and some of them are using third party and some of them had used third party and then transitioned to self-management. Uh, we just transitioned at the beginning of the year to do self-management on our portfolio and it's it's a huge difference it's the cost is not the factor that drove us but like you said earlier it's control it's being able to know that you, what you're doing and and you have all the aspects under your umbrella uh, and you can make sure that the tenants are being taken care of that the maintenance is getting done uh, and and nobody's wasting or uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing so i i totally agree with that one so um Tell us a little bit about your organization, right? You mentioned your son, Mason. What is his role in the organization? Who else do you have in your organization uh, to help you run that portfolio? Uh, so Mason came home a little over a year ago and uh, basically has implemented changes of rebranding, a brand new website. Uh, we've hooked up with Appfolio. We have been converting a tremendous amount of our tenants over to paying online, which has made us more efficient. Uh, I will say that the COVID situation has really shifted that percentage up for us, which has opened my eyes to make it, it's, it's, it's more easy, it's more efficient. We're not handling the money, we're not having to make deposits. So that has really opened my eyes up in that aspect. I have a new office property manager that we hired from one of the uh, larger, newer uh, apartment complexes that uh, she just happened to live in one of our duplexes. She's been there four years. She's on board and doing great. And Mason is, is really a big part of what goes in the office. And my job has really now shifted over to, you know, taking care of maintenance and making sure the guys are out in the right direction, making sure the units are taken care of. If, you know, just my job is more shifted on that, but I still take care of other things in the office as well, making sure we have all the necessary appliances, all the supplies we need, all the paint, you know, for my guys to do their job. And then my wife, Missy, uh, she will come up here and work uh, maybe five days 
a month uh, during during rent time. So Missy will come up and help, and we sh we're still taking cash. Um, we still take personal checks, money orders, cashier's checks. So all those items, it's kind of Missy's job to count, make sure it reconciles, make sure that the funds get into the proper entity that we have for uh, that particular property. So really three out, of, three out of four members of my family are a big part of what goes on up here now. So which makes things run really well and really efficient. Yeah, that's uh, especially on the funds and the accounting side of things, being able to trust the person that you have doing all that work is super critical. Uh, and usually there's no one you can trust more than family, right? Um, that's exactly right. I had a bad experience with that. And so that's all I'll say about that. Okay. Um, so um, you mentioned your maintenance side of things, right? Um, what, what size of a crew do you usually run? in order to handle 500 units across the entire uh, town? So as of today, um, I have five full-time maintenance guys. I have two full-time, uh, it's actually a long-time friend that takes care of all the grounds, and he does a lot of extra things during the, the fall and winter months. So that's seven. And then I have, uh, I use an independent HVAC guy, I use an independent electrical group, and I use an independent plumbing uh, person, okay? So I'm not using, you know, um, a, a plumbing group or a HVAC group or an electrical group. What I have found, and I'm not afraid to ask, and so it works out really good for me, is that if I can get a hold of those independent people and give them volume business, what are they giving me in return? Quality and discount. A discounted rate. So, you know, I had, an I had an electrical guy, electrician that was doing my work and he had a lot of guys working for him and he was doing a hundred dollars, uh, you know, uh, a call and then a hundred dollars an hour. Well, he got replaced with some very good and qualified people that got referred to me at $65. So who's worth that 35% decrease? We are. So you constantly got to keep an eye on that, making sure the work's done, getting the work done right. But, you know, heavy plumbing, uh, heat and air issues, and electrical issues. Now, you know, my crew can put up ceiling fans, replace lights, switches, do simple things. You know, we can, we can do simple things on plumbing, but there's just certain things that you'll need those three people for. Uh, and you know, this time of year, as you well know, your costs on HVAC can really rise. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know that's what our guys have been doing for the last three weeks is ACs, 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 uh, exactly. anywhere from, um, just checking the fray on and, and putting some more in all the way to replacing condensers and replacing the entire systems. It's, uh, uh, it's Texas in the summer. That's just what it is. Uh, uh, but we have our AC guys, uh, basically our maintenance guys are HVAC certified. So they're capable of handling, I'd say, 95% of all HVAC issues uh, um, on their own. Um, but just like you, if it's an electric thing, we get an electrician that is licensed and insured. If it's uh, plumbing, we can do a lot of the plumbing all the way up to uh, slab leaks repairs. But when it comes to the massive like we need a hundred foot machine or we need leak detection. 
that's where we have to call a, a, a professional because they have the tools that cost thousands of dollars that it's not worth for us to invest in for once or twice a year that we really need that extra. Right, right. You know, I will yeah. say one other thing on HVAC, and, and we started doing this about three years ago, uh, going out every quarter and changing those filters. Yeah. I have found that my HVAC costs with the independent fella have gone down by simply getting on a, a maintenance program of changing those filters. So we take that opportunity once a quarter, and it, it takes a couple of weeks, but we take that opportunity as well to spray every unit inside and out for, for uh, uh, insects as well. Yep. No, that's great. Uh, also, washing the condensers outside from all the debris, preferably somewhere in the March time frame, April time frame, before the heat really starts hitting. Uh, we found that that helps uh, extending the life of all of those condensers, uh, especially on the older properties where they're, they're starting to reach their age. Right. Um, and then, you know, the manufacturer, if you call a retail AC technician, they tell you that the manufacturer recommend replacing it after five, seven years. It's like we have ACs that have been alive for like 20 years, right? Um, and they're still working very well. So it's just a matter of good maintenance and, and preventative maintenance and making sure that we keep everything in line. Um, I mean, we call it, uh, and I call it, the common sense approach to taking care of a tenant. If they take care of their business with us, we're taking care of them. And we are Johnny on the spot about my, what I call hot shots. You know, uh, when someone calls with an issue, you know, we're, we're usually out there that day and if not the very next day, you know, uh, even, if it, even if it's a non-emergency. And I really believe that that is a extremely great key uh, for new people getting started you will take care of that tenant. You're going to find they're going to stay longer. They're going to turn out to be good tenants if you'll take care of them. Yeah, that, that's, that's a perfect approach. Um, do you manage other people's properties or just your own? Joseph, I used to. Um, I did three or four different times up until maybe five years ago whenever my growth started happening. So I don't have time now. we got to take care of our business now. But I have done that before. Yeah, and you stopped it just because of bandwidth? Yes, yes. Okay, so as a, a owner-operator that have about 500 units, that's usually about 1,000, 1,200 residents across them, uh, uh, if not more. Do you do anything special for your residents, any events or parties or, or uh, deals with other places in town that will give them discounts. Is there anything that you bring extra value other than the obvious of giving them a safe, clean place to live and being like you said, Johnny on the spot with responding to the work order requests? Here's, here's what we do. Okay. Long-term tenants, we have rewarded them in the past with 50 to a hundred dollar gift cards. And in some instances, a free month's rent. Uh, folks that have referred us good tenants and we'll always tell them we need to, we need to have them three months before, but you know, we may give them a hundred to $200 off one month's rent for a good referral. So we do some of the things, but with, with being a spread out, and I go from single family homes to a concentration of 57 doors. And with being spread out like that, it's a little bit more difficult to say, you know what, we're going to have a big get together for all the good tenants or so. 
we really don't do anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if you could go back, let's say seven, eight years, right, to Mike before the big exponential growth, right, what would the advice be uh, uh, that you would give yourself, knowing now what you didn't know six, seven years ago? Well, here would be the biggest thing is, you know, 20 years ago, I'm 60 now. So I started basically at 40 with my first duplex. I really wish I would have gotten that first duplex at 30. 10 years sooner and have that growth carry forward. That would have been the biggest thing. Uh, 10 years ago, well, yeah, I can still tell you there were mistakes made along the wayside. Sure, everyone's got hindsight. Everyone's you know, would love to go back and make some changes. But, uh, you know, the good Lord's blessed me to be sitting where I am sitting today in a situation I'm sitting today. And I've always looked this way, not that way. Uh, you can spend a lot of time, a lot of people looking back there and it, you don't get anything accomplished. So, you know, I would continue to look forward, be positive and focused and, and uh, just go from there. And unfortunately, anyone that does this, and I believe you would agree with me, you are going to make mistakes. What worked for you and what worked for me, those things are different. Now, there is a lot of general stuff that can, can go hand in hand, but, you know, everyone wants to get into rental property, but once they get into it, they find out, you know what, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is that people think that it's a building's business and they don't realize it's a people business. Exactly. And when you have people involved, you're going to be surprised every single day. Uh, uh, this business taught us and made us laugh and made us cry and made us sweat and made us bleed, right? In, in every exactly possible right. way um, because it's people, right? And, and people are just unpredictable. That's just what people do. Um, so... Um, Let's talk a little bit about the operation side of things. Uh, give us a, a few things that you guys like to do in order to increase your income, right? Uh, you know, I got your little printout and I made some notes. And so if I can just kind of look at these and go over the things I jotted down, but it kind of, I believe, uh, the, incre the, the uh, ways to increase income without increasing rents and the ways to reduce expenses, those go hand in hand. So I, it's okay, I'll go over a few of these, all right? Absolutely. Uh, all bathroom, kitchen, and outdoor plumbing fixtures. If you got a property you're paying a water bill, stay on top of those, make sure that everything is not leaking, uh, commodes are not running, kitchen faucets are not running. We try to condition all of our tenants to let us know about that. Um, I touched on the maintenance of the air conditioning systems. I've noticed from just changing those filters how we've had a reduction in HVAC costs. Having my own maintenance guys, uh, you know, I believe having all of these guys internal and me being able to stay on top of them, they're not getting rich, but you know what? They're, they're making a, a good living. Uh, I think that's an integral factor in helping and keeping, keeping costs down. I hit on seeking out the individual HVAC guys, electrical guys. Uh, you know, not everyone can be big enough to have your own internal HVAC guy. Mm -hmm. I've tried that four times here in Texarkana. We have our technical college here, trains them. I've tried that four times and four times it struck out. 
but I have an independent fellow that I've probably been using for 10 years and I've just decided he's the best. I can't beat what he charged me. He's got history with the uh, properties and he goes out and takes care of them. And you know what? He's got to make money, but he keeps them going and we're not replacing a lot of them. Um, I touched a little on this, the online payments that has made us more efficient. You know, efficient is saving money and increasing your return. Mm-hmm. So that, that has really made a big help as far as we go on our side. Um, having the property and landscape guys being full-time employees versus having guys bid the properties to come in and do it. You know, that is so much more cost effective for me to do that with them versus having these guys, um, you know, come and make them. And again, my deal is different. I don't have all of these doors at just two locations. They're all over Texarkana. Yeah. Um, monitor the utilities of vacant units. You know, you go walk in one, one of your guys, you know, and you go walk in there and this thing's sitting on about 58 degrees. So, you know, monitor that, that thermostat. I'll tell you a quick story on that. It's been a month or so ago. I went in a unit. They were in there working on Friday. I walked in it on Monday. You could hang meat. So I went in and made the guy pay 50 bucks. I said, look, that thing running had to, had to burn this much. I got my point across and I got it across in front of all my guys. Um, yeah. So, I, uh, I, I just want to kind of uh, reemphasize that, uh, but with a little bit of a different angle. It's not just monitoring the, the uh, utilities. It's just walking your vacant, right? If you have exactly. vacant units, you got to visit them at least once a week or so uh, because otherwise things happen, right? Especially in older buildings. We had one of the units that we, we walk into it and there's a full sauna going on. Uh, something in the faucet in in the bathtub, just like an old uh, rubber uh, seal, just bursted, and hot water was just flowing, and the entire unit was a sauna. You could see the water condensating on the windows from the inside. Uh, so that obviously is a lot of damage, and you have to come in, and you got to dry everything, and water extraction, and the whole nine yards. Uh, but if we wouldn't have walked into it a day or two after it started going, it could have been really bad. So uh, monitoring utilities for us, it's part of walking every vacant unit at least once a, uh, once a week or once every other week. So yeah, that's a great that's a great idea you guys do. I probably we need to be a little more efficient about doing that. Now, fortunately, you know we run ninety six to ninety eight percent occupancy, so our, our occupancy is always great. But even those ones that we're not in, we need to probably be looking and checking those a little bit more often. Um, and I think I hit on showing the properties, you know, having them come here. Those were really, you know, when you ask that question, reduce expenses and increase income, those were the main things that kind of came to the top of my head about the ways that we do that, you know, without coming in and increasing rents, you know, and, and we, Whenever someone satisfies a lease with us and they've been no problem, we leave them on a month to month. We don't go up on their rents. We don't ask them to sign a new lease. That's somewhere we probably need to look at and uh, maybe make an adjustment because um, I've kind of been of the opinion that, you know, if, if Joseph is renting from me and I never hear anything from Joseph, Joseph pays his rent on time, I'm going to leave Joseph alone. 
but that's probably a place that I would think that we need to to review and probably make some changes on that. Um, you know, if you're going to stay month to month, most people are going to charge you what a higher rate. Yeah. If you're going to go, if you're going to sign a new lease, well, then they're only going to go up to right here. That's yeah. the way most are, and uh, you know that is a place probably where we we could improve. Yeah, the standard that I've seen in the industry is that when your lease expires and you haven't renewed, it goes up to market rate plus mm -hmm. a month-to-month -month fee. Right? That could be anywhere say, between fifty and a hundred dollars a month. Right, and I will say one other thing—a big thing. You know, I had uh, um, an independent insurance guy up in Nashville, Tennessee, taking care of, of uh, my insurances, and he got referred to me many years ago. Well, he just. He just kind of kept, you know, things kept going on. We just, you know, it just stayed in place for several years. And I inquired about, uh, you know, hey, are you watching? Are you keeping up with policies or anything we can do to save money? He'd always tell me yes, but nothing really would ever change. And so my youngest son played baseball at UCA, the University of Central Arkansas. And uh, he became friends with a young man and we're friends with his parents. But the young man went out. And, and he worked for a, an insurance company and then he went out and became an independent. And I told him if he would, I would, you know, I would shop with him. And I gave him the opportunity to come in and, and bid our properties. He came, he came in substantially lower than the other. Wow. So don't, don't always think an insurance guy, just because he has all of it after a while, they will get lazy. Mm -hmm. And they're not really making sure because that that's a big cost for my portfolio, for anyone who's got a large portfolio. But uh, uh, that is another thing to really stay on top of is, you know, your insurance costs. Yeah, that's a very big expense, especially in the last few years that the, the, the hurricanes and the, the tornadoes and all of that bad weather hit all of the country. Uh, the insurance companies were getting hit so bad that everybody's premium went up. So, um, okay, uh, what's next for Mike and his organization, right? Uh, are you guys looking to expand? Are you going to development? Are you going to uh, purchase in different markets? Uh, what's the outlook? Well, um, I, my wife and I came from very uh, uh, modest families and we both got educations. We bo both worked really hard. We had good careers. She was a little hygienist. Both sons have master's degrees. So, you know, we, we took care of our business on that side. But I'm working uh, right now. Uh, I'm looking uh, to have a, a, a pretty big uh, transaction occur uh, on the sales side uh, towards the end of September. After that happens, my buying power with my bankers will probably triple. So what is going to be the next step? The next step, I'm already looking at other deals here in Texarkana. I've already got some acreage acquired that I already own and I already have some other acreage that already identified that we're going to build on. And, you know, that's going to be the next step as far as here in Texarkana. I also have a couple of towns uh, that I don't want to mention right now that uh, we're going to be looking to expand, maybe only a couple of hours away from Texarkana. So this, this is really uh, what's getting ready to happen for me and my family is 20 years of hard work uh, coming to fruition. 
and allowing allowing us to really shift gears and go forward with it. And the the really beautiful thing about this whole thing, Joseph, is Mason is is along for the ride on it. He's learning. He's getting to see something like this happen. So, and he's included the whole way. So, you know what? There's a lot of opportunities out there for people, but it, where I sit. I'm going to go with what brung me and I'm going to continue to do residential room property. And I'll tell you one story. Let me tell you one story. I don't know how we're sitting on time, but um, 14 years ago, friend of mine's son said, Hey, you need to go look at this doctor's house it's out in North Texas. Can I go look at it? Older doctor. He wanted to retire and go to, go to Houston, big house, uh, 3,600 square feet but it was dated. I bought the house for $165,000. Okay. Back then I really didn't know what I was doing. I said, you know what? I want to flip this and just make a little money off of it. Well, I should have just put some new carpet and painted it and probably could have, but lo and behold, I had too many chiefs and, and telling me what to do. So I ended up sinking another $120,000 in this house Wow, 14 years ago. But it turned out to be a very nice setup once we finished. Shift, plow forward 14 years later. That house has rented for those 14 years anywhere from $2,000 to $2,400 a month. All right. You can do the math on all of that. So can your listeners. But also, I just recently sold it for 310000 If that doesn't tell you the power of time on rental property, I don't know what does. Yeah, we keep telling everybody that real estate is a long game. If you're trying to buy and sell within two to three years, you're trying to time the market. And it might work, it might not work, right? But if exactly. you play the long game, um, you're going to win with real estate. Uh, there's not a single property out there that is selling today the same price it was selling in 1994 or even exactly. 2002, right? So, so that's kind of like even the people that bought – at the top of the market in 2006, we're back to zero somewhere around 2016, 2017. But, and now it's keep going up. So um, before I let you go, do you have any uh, um, adjustments or any things that have been impacted in your organization because of the COVID situation, right? Because, you know, we're recording this in, in the end of July of 2020. It's really hard not right. to talk about COVID. Right. Uh, here's, how, here's what I can say and how this has affected us, okay? Um, we probably had four months. March, April, May, and June. Okay, maybe some of February, but we literally ran four or five months. We had no one move, and we only had one eviction. Now, you're talking about something that can really make everything just run along really great. Um, that really did that. So we continued to work. Uh, my guys came in. And we were here each and every day, and we have continued to take care. You know, we're, we're an essential business taking care of people's homes. Mm -hmm. So we've continued to work. And I talked to my guys, if any of them were around anyone sick or if anyone they knew was around anyone sick, 
do not come into this office or I'd fire them. Um, you know, I cautioned them on wearing gloves, masks when we needed to. And we had continued doing business just like normal. So I'm not sure how it is with your rental property, but each and every year in July, there tends to be a big turnover. So we're, we're kind of going through that now. We're kind of paying for that good time that happened. But, you know, it'll happen this month. Things will settle down when everyone is kind of focused in school. Hopefully we get back to school going forward. But it really hasn't affected the business side here very much. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because uh, there are a lot of other places in the country that really got hammered uh, with the COVID. Some of our properties, especially the ones that are under the CARES Act with Fannie right. Freddie loans on it, uh, saw a little bit of a hit. Um, but, um, you know, you, like you said, we got to take care of the residents and that's what we've been trying to do. And the ones that came to us and, and communicated that they've been impacted by COVID, they lost their job, or they got their hours cut. Uh, uh, we created payment plans and we're working with them. We brought assistant organizations uh, to look into that. We helped them fill up the forms. So we're doing whatever we can to help the residents, uh, and, and hopefully they work with us to get that. Unfortunately, in this business, uh, uh, not everybody is is trying to work with you and we do have some of of the residents that are flat out taking advantage and and they're going taking this ride all the way out to court uh, um they literally told us i'll see you in court uh, um not willing to pay um even though they haven't been impacted they did not lose their job they're just taking advantage of the situation uh but i i'm, I'm glad to say that that's not the majority of people that's the minority what one thing we did do, okay, on that side, um, and I would tell everyone this, and fortunately we didn't have to go through that a lot, but I told everyone, hey, if you can get me half, I'll work with you on the other half. So basically I was trying to tell that tenant, if you can put your toe in the water, I'm willing to put mine in the water, but don't expect me to do the whole thing. So, you know, we, we just, we really didn't have that much trouble. I mean, Again, today, what's going on, I really think it's the summer summer moving cycle right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, just to sum it up, uh, um, what advice would you give a new operator? Somebody that is just getting into the business, someone that is buying their first apartment complex or, or their, even the first duplex? The best advice that I would give someone would be to seek out some older person that has done it for 20 or 30 years and go, go become a friend, go take interest in them and let them be a mentor to you. I had a man uh, a little over four years ago. This goes back to what I told you about trying to acquire all the units on a street. I had some, he had eight duplexes in a house, which would give me everything kind of in this little pocket. And so I bought him from him and he actually lived across the pond in my neighborhood. I knew him, but didn't know him well. And today this man is 83, about to be 84 years old. And I mean, he and I are so close right now. It's, it's just not even funny, but I really think that that would benefit uh, someone to go and find someone that would take an interest in them because there's plenty of people that want to make a dollar off of you and don't really care. Uh, but I think that would be the biggest thing that, that I would tell someone. 
you know, everybody wants to sell a book. Everybody wants to tell you how to do it. Everybody wants to do that. You need to go talk to someone that's successful, that's got a lot of seasoning under their belt, and I believe that person could learn a lot. I think that's one of the best advice our listeners ever got, right? Find yourself a mentor, somebody that's been doing, not somebody that's been talking, right? Exactly. And, and this will propel you immensely. Okay. Well, I want to say thank you so much for your time today. Um, how can our listeners find you if they want? Uh, what is your uh, website if you want to share an email or, or anything else? Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? Our website is whiteprops, P-R-O-P-S.com. And uh, I will give my business email out. It is mw at whiteprops.com. And they can email me at that address. And, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind spending a little bit of time with uh, someone that was truly interested and truly, uh, uh, you know, someone that really, you got, you've got to have this in your blood. Yeah. If you're going to be successful, this has got to run through your blood. If it's not running through your blood and you're deeply invested in what you're doing, you're going to fail at it which could be yeah. said about a lot of different things in life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Thank you so much. That's very generous of you. Uh, we'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, and for our audience, if you want to hear more, uh, please go and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you consume your podcast. We'll also appreciate if you can get us a feedback uh, and uh, get us ratings on uh, Apple Podcasts. That helps us a lot. Until next time, our website is aptopr.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to enjoy more episodes, please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. For questions or feedback, please visit our site at www.aptopr.com.